True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am your host, Justin Fraser, here with my friend and partner, Andy McMullen. Andy, thank you for coming on the show today. Justin, I've been looking forward to this, man. It's so good to uh, be on here and share some maybe uh, I like going on a podcast where people are talking about the failures, man. I feel human when we can kind of talk about all of it, right? So we have to, we have to, and and our true multifamily listeners appreciate that so much because that's how I learn. And I learn from, from talking to other people and sharing stories and make mental notes, you know, maybe don't try that or learn, learn from someone else's mistake. And uh, what better way to learn than to have Andy educate us and share some stories with us about um, some, some really, you know, unfortunately some tough times, but here we are and, and we're back. And so you know what? Before we get into that, Andy, I'd love for you to give the audience a little bit of a background on who you are, uh, what you're doing now, but really how you got here as well. Yeah, sure. So I started out of college as a commercial broker. I kind of lucked into it. Um, probably was pretty close to doing something completely different, um, but I got hooked up with a great kind of small boutique real estate investment group, and we did some brokerage for them, and then kind of low man on some asset management. So I was able to see all, all parts, right? Kind of the property management, the brokerage, the asset management. And so, uh, and many of the dregs, right? That kind of ugliness that sits in these offices where everybody's kind of like, oh, it's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault, right? So I, I kind of came into it maybe with a little bit colder view than a lot of the multifamily guys that we meet, you know, because it is much more collaborative here. Uh, so I, I kind of, I lost a mentor really early in my career, uh, really important to me. And I kind of sputtered for a while, uh, maybe, you know, two, three years. I was doing okay, um, but I but I was kind of floating until I hit a, uh, a point where I wanted to get it in the development and the ownership side. And that was probably in the mid-2000s when I hooked up with my partner, uh, Bob D'Elia. And he basically, he kind of transformed my outlook from the brokerage side to the ownership side to the investing side. And so um, that's kind of how I got to here. We just kind of started buying small multifamily, some office, and uh, just kind of piece by piece, you know, two steps backward, maybe three steps forward, stuff like that. So that's kind of the the short of it, Justin. So Andy, when you were a commercial broker um, and you started to think about being on the ownership side, did you did you keep your license? Was that helpful for you as you started to build a portfolio? Yeah, I kept my license. Uh, I kept my license. I still have some some guys that kind of do some some brokerage for us, but uh, mostly for now, I'm I'm just an investor. We started a fund this year, and we're kind of focusing on you know teaming up with the best operators across the country. I mean, the best operators across the country. That's kind of why we fell into to co-sponsoring with you guys on the deal, right? We have yeah. very kind of uh, considerable vetting process, as you know, and so we uh, we you know, and a lot of it is because we learned what we couldn't get from people that we partnered with in previous deals, right? So we could talk about hours about those kinds of stories, but 
but that's kind of what where we are now. Um, but well, I, let's but let's I've dig in on that a little bit, if you don't mind. So you got we are partnered with you guys, and and you're an, a great active uh, team member for us. But you you guys uh, raise money, and you sit on our our advisory board, and and we meet once a week right now, and and talk about the the properties, but. What is it that your group really does? You're, you're placing money with experienced operators. So you're not doing any of the operations yourselves. Yeah. In some, you know, so in California, we were, were sponsor operator, right? Uh, okay. We had uh, quite a few units in central California, some in Southern California. We sold off a couple of assets this year in, in, in Fresno. Um, you know, California is a crazy place, uh, as you know, and it's getting crazier and crazier. You know, you, you just heard Lorena Gonzalez, you know, uh, an assemblywoman say, "Hey, uh, f you, uh, you know, Elon Musk and and the thirty six thousand people that you that you employ. Why don't you go somewhere else? You know, um, so 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 we just started to become a little bit more and more antsy, and a lot of our investors were antsy, and so we said, "Hey, look, let's take our investors that we've uh, you know accrued over over years here, and let's let's partner up across the Sun Belt in markets that." Are much more landlord friendly, right? And 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 kind of matrices that matrices that we can understand, you know. So that's kind of what we we've been doing. So I think as we move forward and grow, we want to diversify the asset class, diversify a little bit with the operators and you know the regions. So that's kind of what we're 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 looking to do now. That's awesome. That's great. And so what? Um what you, you mentioned that you work with the best and, and I'm not, um, I know we work together. I'm not looking for a, a promotion here, but talk to me about your evaluation criteria on how you might bring on an operation partner. What are some uh, good indicators? What are some requirements that you have and what are some things that you might hear or see that would um, send you running away? Yeah. So here's the thing is I know how hard it is to do what you, and I know you're not fishing for a compliment, but I know how hard it is to do what you do, Justin, like the operations part of it. And in the past, we've invested with operators that were really great at maybe and sponsors, maybe great at finding the deal at the acquisition process, maybe even great at employing the strategy, maybe decent even at the exit or not too far away from where they exit. But feeling part of the deal and having your investors feel part of the deal is so important. And it's the last thing that one wants to do, right? On a Sunday, you've been kicking ass with, you know, finding, you know, uh, contractors and, 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 and getting units turned and acquiring new deals. The last thing you want to do on a Sunday is like pull the information from the property manager and the asset mm-hmm. manager and like write a succinct letter, right? So we need teams that have those pieces together and you would be surprised you know, I don't have any evidence of this, but I know in the people that I talk to, other passive investors, the number of people that would go back and invest with those same operators is a little bit better than a coin flip, right? Okay. And that's, yeah. that's terrible, right? So if it's, if it's a coin flip, you don't know if that person has a system or even if it's better than that, 60%, that's, that's a D, right? Mm-hmm. Like why are something, why is something that's so simple so hard for people to do. And I know because we were, we were in that position. So our criteria is that they have cycled through that they've, they've had, uh, that they've been through a crash. Um, not now, not everyone, some, some people that are maybe a younger operator or sponsor, maybe we'll kind of track them 
And if we're really kind of mesmerized by what they're doing now, we'll kind of track them and maybe two or three deals later, we can invest with them. So anyways, I could go off on tangents as to why, but the main thing for us is just the kind of collaboration and knowing where our investors are. So I want to just push you a little bit further on that. And if you're saying it's a coin flip, what can I do as an operator to end up on the right side of that coin so that uh, you want to partner with us again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's so simple. We want to see the balance sheet, the uh, P&L, really the variance report is where a lot of people fall short, right? Because they're not really tracking the numbers. And I've seen your guys' spreadsheets and how you track it. Um, and, you know, we just want to have a consistent you know, monthly letter or, or a quarterly letter, we're fine with that. But the consistency part of it is, is, is the piece, right? Um, it, it may sound to you, because you guys have been doing this for so long, and you've kind of worked on, and you're always challenged, right, with tweaks and things that come up and COVID hits, and now I got to operate the property, but I also got to be talking to the investor every day, you know. Um, so really, we're really easy to deal with once we're in partnership it's that we take a little bit longer to kind of certify a, a, an operator. So, you know, they got to have the, to be more specific, if that's what you're asking, you know, they've got to have the portal. They've got to have these reports. We usually ask an operator when we first start out with them, take us through an entire deal as you, as we, if we were an investor. So from the OM to the PPM, to the subscription agreement, to the first time you reported to the quarterly reports, just, show that show us how we were contacted and, and that usually gives us a pretty good indication and if we ask for that if it takes forever to do that then that's probably an indication it's because we're not writers. writing it as we go right exactly yeah. Yeah. uh okay so yeah you guys have like an sop basically you know um so yeah that, that's right that's right i mean yeah pull pull a sample of any report that we've done on any of our properties, you know, this is something that we're doing on a regular basis. So really what it sounds like you're saying is you want to make sure that what you're hearing from the operators is that they're legit and you're just verifying that what they're telling you is actually true. So here's the thing. I, I was in a deal in, I think it was like 2007. I was with a partner. Uh, he had been a client of mine. He'd been a, a partner of mine. We'd invested for many years he kind of handled the asset management piece. I was kind of doing a lot more of the operations piece and kind of investor relation piece. And I trusted him, but I, I, I did, I stopped verifying and make a long story longer. He was a RIA. So he had a big balance sheet, a lot of net worth, but after the crash, he started buying, he was a, he was an RIA. So he had got more and more brokers. And so as a result, turned his fund into this billion dollar fund, but it, it started tightening on him, the squeeze, right? And as a result, I found out that he had killed himself. And then I got a call from the attorney and said, hey, look, did you guys know that you sold your building? It was packaged up in a, packaged up in a, uh, the security and was, was delivered to St. Jude's Foundation, right? Whoa. So, so we can get into that story long, you know, later at some other point. But my, my point in telling you that story is that there's a Dover Eye 
no provari, the the trust but verify. Mm-hmm. I did the dovari part, right? <laughs> I trusted, but I but I didn't yeah. continue looking at the reports. I didn't continue looking at where the bank accounts. He had set yeah. up different bank accounts. So it's not enough for people to tell us, hey, yeah, we're going to do a great job of reporting. Here's what it will look like. We want to know what did it look like. And that's not to say we won't invest with you in the future, but it's to say that look, we've got to actually have we've got to see what that would look like. And so you guys obviously had that and. And, and the other thing is it's rare when you have the combination of all of those things and then the operator that's doing good, right? So it, it takes a long time to vet these things. So, you know, that's that we have to say no a lot. That's just, just the kind of the way that it, that it works. Well, that's so, important. Anyway, that's important. Well, I, I know that wasn't the, the um, stated goal for this podcast, but I appreciate you sharing that with us because it's so helpful as, as many of our listeners are operators and we'll be looking for partners and, whether it's you know someone like Andy who who can come in and, and work with you for a long term basis or your first twenty five thousand dollar investor, they're all that's good tips for all of it and and they're all everyone that wants to do business with you, you know you might be able to sneak by a few friends and family but for the most part as you grow in scale you've got to have everything in tip top shape buttoned up and uh, with clean reporting so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. um, I want to get into your story on the crash because you've been around doing this for a while, as you said, mid two thousands or so is when you started getting into the ownership side. Um, and, and a lot of us know that 2008 was a pretty rough time in real estate. So can you just talk us through where you were with your portfolio, what you were trying to do, uh, what happened and, and let's just, let's just start around there somewhere in the mid two thousands and, and take us through it. Yeah, sure. If you, I remember at one point getting a deal and thinking, why are they lending me this money? Like, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why they are lending me. This oh my money, god! Right? So, so, and and I'm sure people, though they don't want to admit it, they had a similar experience during that time because they were handing out loans like Tic Tacs. I mean, this was a a mixed use project in Dallas, much bigger than I, anything I had ever done. And Benchmark Bank decides to to give us give us money. But what I remember about what I remember about 2008 was that it was like the music stopped. I mean, it wasn't like this where there's still deals, you know, happening, where they're still lending. Basically, everything was choked, right? So uh, we had, we were working on a development at the time in Venice Beach. Um, we had pre-sold all of the, the units. It was a live-work project, really great location. We had just built one before, so it was uh, 2004, 2003, um, Prices were going for 800 a foot and we had pre-sold it. We hadn't finished the development yet, but it was going for 800 a foot. And then the music stopped and we had to scramble to retrade almost everybody that was, was signed up to buy because remember those banks aren't lending for their units either. So prices right, dropped right. from 800 a foot. If you could imagine to it's about 35 units. So maybe it's what 45 million down to 32 million that four. 520 a foot, something like that. And the thing that people don't talk a lot about because the stock market did come back in 2009, but in real estate, it just, we just kind of plundered, you know, 2010, 2011 was bad, 2012, nothing's happening. It starts to get better in that 2013. So in those years, we were just kind of picking off little things here, maybe a couple of residential deals. Um, 
we did, we did some, we did do some, some brokerage. We actually got into some investing in some businesses. Okay. So, but, but you can imagine now I was the lead developer. I was working with the developer who's my partner. The thing that I learned about that was the way that he handled it because he, this, this is why it's, it's so much of a people relationship business his net worth had basically been cut in half, right? And, and he's got loans with iStar. He's got loans with, with uh, McFarland, big banks, you know, CalPERS are investors. And so now he's got to basically, none of those guys are, they want to get out of the deal. And so they're, they've got a lot of power, right? As you know, with institutions, they, they have a lot of power with the developer. Um, but he was there every day. He was leading. He was, uh, he, he, I probably learned the most because I had to do the most. I had to negotiate with some of these banks, et cetera. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but, but, but there was like just this darkness around it that, that because we had a good leader, we were able to kind of work ourselves out of it. Cause a lot of people, they just said, Hey, look, I'm out of it. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to start over in a few years, you know, let me get into another business or something like that. So. Well, um, I think there's a lot of parallels between, that time and this time that we're in right now, obviously it's not the exact same, like to your point, not everything is frozen and stopped. It, it, it did briefly for about a month and then things opened up again. But a lot of our multifamily operators here are, we're in month 10 or 11 of this um, pandemic. And for many people, that means we're in month 10 or 11 of delinquency and tenants that are significantly past due. We have uh, support, some support from local agencies in some town and some towns do not have any sort of local support. Um, There's been very little federal government support. Uh, We had one stimulus months ago, the second half as much was just announced uh, yesterday. So that gives you time for where we are here, but, Operators are, are struggling. Many operators are struggling. And there's a lot of challenges happening right now with bringing the money in and performing. Forget hitting you know the pro formas, but paying bills and making sure that mortgage is paid and your taxes and your insurance are paid and the lights are still on and that work orders are still taken care of without having to lay off your site staff. So if you can give us some insight into what your partner did there that we might be able to learn from and um, push through and, and stand out as operators uh, today. Yeah. So, so one thing he did was he handed off a lot of the kind of financial uh, things to me. Uh, and he focused on um, getting involved at the sales process. Um, he, 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 he wanted to be there with the contractors. He wanted to visit with the tenants. He wanted to be there um, on these tours. Um, he was an incredible, um, you know, how there's, there's kind of linear thinkers that can kind of think another layer, right. Out outward that, that you would have never thought. Right. And so, um, he had a background in, he had a background in financial, he was a trader on wall street. And so he always kind of had a, a view of the world that the music could stop at any time. So there were certain things that were in place, but, Justin, you mentioned, you mentioned just kind of the operation piece. There's so many things that can go wrong in a property, right? And usually when you're identifying a deal, it comes down to that one or two thing, two things that, hey, if we're going to make this happen, it's got to be like, 
on, on North Carolina. If, if, if we can't get some of the bad actors out and we can't yeah. turn some of these units, this, the deal doesn't make sense. Right. Um, for us, it was, we've got to just hold on because we don't have any other choice that we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't make these 520 go up to 800. We're going to have to basically like you guys are doing some of the spaces would be turned. Some of the spaces would be renovated. We're going to have to kind of balance those, those pieces. So, um, you know, there, there, there is an argument to be made now in the state of the economy that we're just getting propped up, right. By stimulus checks or whatever that is. And that, if, if interest rates stay where they are, that that will be okay, but there's still deflationary forces that, that could potentially push pricing down. And I think it's too early to know. And that's why when we're choosing operators, we want that conservative outlook, like here's our solve for this. Here's our solve for this. Here's our break even point, which you guys do so well. Here's our, our, our debt service, you know? So, so there's just so many factors to think of. It's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to pinpoint what could de derail a deal because there's the 1% that could derail your deal. You know, with, with venture capital, it's lose, 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 one win, right? With real estate, it's yeah, like yeah. win, 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 lose. Especially so, lately, the, the yeah, last yeah, 10 years, exactly. right? Blow yeah. you out. So anyways, those are some of the, those are some of the things. So yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, and, you know, it's something that we as operators have to be conscious of and, and know all those variables. And, um, you know, like what you said, really, which is, you know, conservative upfront in the underwriting. Um, and then what I heard you say really is, you know, being open to all kinds of ideas and, and the right answer or the way forward can come from anybody. Doesn't have to be the guy who thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Doesn't have to be the guy with the most equity or money in the deal. Could be could be anyone. And uh, if you're open to creative solutions, you know, as I, I like to think that we are, then uh, you can probably hang on, as you said, yeah. and and hopefully weather the storm. Um, and then the next piece of that is just pushing through and and making that plan, taking in as much uh, input from everyone as you can, and then making that plan and and grinding it out and and you pushing know, one through. Thing that, that I've loved about the way you guys work is, is the transparency, right? It mm. is that, Hey, look, if you're in real estate, you know, that prerequisite of succeeding is failing on this thing mm -hmm. and tweaking things. And, you know, you can't hide, you know, I don't want to joke something like uh, the difference between medicine and real estate. You probably heard it right. That you can't, no. you can't, you can't bury, uh, you can't bury your mistakes in, in real estate. Um, <laughs> everything is, everything is there, right? I mean, yep. it's, it's upfront. If you try to hide something, then, then something else is going to break down. Right. Yep. yep. And so, so it's, that's why it's so important for us that we pick the, the jockeys, right. Is that the people that know that there's going to be something that will come up that we didn't anticipate, or we did anticipate, we didn't anticipate with this ratio, mm -hmm. you know, um, as we're investing with people, we kind of, we, we look at the pro forma, mm -hmm. And we kind of track it, right? And in normal circumstances, if there's like a 20%, 30% variation, that's probably, you know, every deal is is is, is that kind of, uh, you know, um, spread. But but now, I mean, you could have deals that bought, were bought last year or two years ago where maybe you were, you know, analyzing a 5% increase or 
you know, six, whatever, some, some deals that I saw last year that were in our desk were like five, 6% annual increases. Right. So I think if you can, if you can deliver a conservative deal to a, an investor now, I think you've got a better chance, even if the return is, is, is less. Right. Cause that's, that's, Jeremy Roll talks about if, if you knew it was 2007 right now, right. And you knew this was the end of the cycle, what kind of deal would you be investing in? Right. And you would want to deal like 59% break even. Right. Yeah. And yep. So anyways, sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I'll try and keep my answers uh, a little bit. I No, no, bit this shorter, is just so much you know, to say, you know, Absolutely. No, this is perfect. This is, uh, we have not had a guest like you in the role that you're in on the show yet. So it's, it's super valuable for everyone to, to hear that and to hear how you're thinking about this. Um, so, so moving forward, you know, you guys are thinking that, that the successful operators are the ones who have enough conservatisms going in, in the beginning and who are transparent enough with the investors as you go and being able to own mistakes or uh, new challenges or anything that really comes up, uh, but also as long as it's paired with a plan for how we're going to get out of this. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. And, and we go, we'll go on an interview and we'll love the, we'll love the whole hour. And then we'll ask, you know, what are some of your mistakes? And, and, and if they don't have an answer and they've been in the business for 10, 15, 20 years, like, what else are you covering up? Where are you hiding the bodies? You know, about one year. I mean, everyone's yeah. going to make a mistake in this business for sure, right? Yeah. So, so I think that you know, operators. Uh, I think they do themselves a disservice by by kind of only sharing their successes and how we're doing this and that. I think it, it's much more uh, it's of much more import to kind of show how you're dealing with some of these things that do go bad. Uh, one of my favorite books is, uh, the hard thing about hard things. I don't know if you've ever, it's been, been Horowitz, I believe. Um, and, and his thing is like, every book I read is like how to do this, you know, how to build my business, how to grow my business. I wanted to write a book that my business is broke. Now, what do I do? Right. And that's, that's why I think if, if, if operators t- talk a little bit more transparently about what they're doing to mitigate some of the risk, but then also of how they handled some of the stuff that just came out of left field, you know? Um, like, I know you guys have a very, uh, an incredible story about making investors whole and you had to do it creatively, right? So there's there's been moments in my career where I've had to do that as well when I've been on the operation side and and maybe to, to a fault, right? Because uh, in some cases, those investors don't appreciate it. Or in some cases, it was a, you know, a, a partner that was involved that 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 was the impetus right but if you want to have a long-standing business you're investing in the people that are going to do those things so you're 100 percent right it's all about the people you know i was just on a uh and someone else's podcast the other day and they said what you know what's the key to success and i said relationships it's all about the people uh, because it, as long as that is strong the rest you can figure out and, and work together on so that that's a great spot to uh to work towards wrapping up this interview andy um we've got two more sections here i want i'm going to ask you i did not prep you ahead of time your true multifamily tip which is going to be advice you might give to someone who's looking to just get in to apartment investing. Um, but before that, let's let our listeners hear from you about where they can find out more about what you're up to, the projects you have going on and, and all that. 
Yeah, sure. They can they can hop on uh, our website, uh, Legacy AX for Legacy Acquisitions, LegacyAX.com. And then I'm uh, I'm all over LinkedIn. And I love, love, love helping new investors, um, people that are that are hungry to get into the business. Um, I, 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 I'm not I'm not denouncing coaching programs. I think many of them are valuable. But I think if and this will go to my kind of tip here. If you're willing to get out there and network and with Zoom, you've got an incredible opportunity to network people in the Southeast of you United States or Asia, if you wanted to. Right. And and if you take that time to figure out a way in talking to them what they need, you don't need to ask them what they need. They'll tell you what they need over time as you're networking them. Deliver something. I think that there's tweeners like us in that kind of one to two thousand units that need help with something, whether it's systems or funnels or you know more introductions or deals there's a place for you to get in there save that thirty thousand dollars use that as your as your salary and help somebody who can get you to that next level quicker inside that deal inside those deals inside that company rather than kind of a student but uh i know many people that that would swear by the relationships that they met they would not have met if they didn't have the coaching program. So and it goes both ways, but I just think that too many times we're at, we're looking to have somebody else do it for us when really what it takes is exactly what you said. I, I don't, I can't tell you how much of my day is on the relationship building. Cause that's the most important piece. And I, the, for a time in my life, I thought, no, 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 I'm the most important piece. I'm the most important piece. I'm the one that's doing the sales. I'm the one that's doing the deals. I'm the one that's doing the work. What I didn't realize is that, in order for me to grow, I had to serve those people that were doing the work, right? That's that's what I needed to do. So I kind of come full circle. I don't know if I it's perfect. If I had to cut out a lot of stuff, but but no yeah. way. I'm not cutting a word, man. That was that was beautiful. Thank you. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You know, some people uh, they ask me, you know, should I do a coaching program, this or that? And, and there's there's a place for it if it helps you get where you want to go, and you can't do it anywhere else. That's fine, but. You know, to Andy's point, man, right now we think about all the, the challenges we've had here in 2020, but the, the blessing is that now everyone is accustomed to getting on Zoom. And so people are having virtual holiday parties right now and, uh, you know, across the nation. And like you said, networking around the world. So, so why not, instead of going to your local RIA and only meeting the, the people that happen to be in your town, now you can go online to a very topic specific meetup with investors all over that are crushing it in your space and get to know them. So there has never been, I think, a better time for the virtual networking. And, and a lot of us are learning how to do it, but it's absolutely critical. And Andy, I see you out there on LinkedIn posting and talking every day, tagging people and, and pushing. And, and that's really, I think, the next platform where people are building a lot of very healthy, productive relationships on LinkedIn. And, and it seems to be working out well for people. Absolutely, man. And, and if it were not for COVID, I wouldn't have met you, man. I don't think. I, I think we were introduced by another person I, I met uh through LinkedIn and create a relationship and then the intros were made. So yeah, um, people, 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 if they're sleeping on, on the social media or the networking part, um, just think about the foundation you could be building when we get out of this mess, the people yeah. that can help you. So I can't wait to uh, 
go out and grab a beer with you one day when this all settles down, you yeah, know? Yeah, me too, man. Uh, so listen, this has been an excellent, excellent interview. I appreciate you and appreciate your time and your advice and your guidance as an excellent true multifamily tip. So uh, check out, uh, what's the website again? It's Legacy AX. Legacy AX, guys. Go check out me, Andy, online on LinkedIn. Check him out on LinkedIn for sure. And uh, Andy, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have the show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.